Hello, this is Here to Learn. I am Matt Edwards, and this is my podcast featuring conversations that I have with colleagues and friends in education, people that I've gotten to know and learn from in my time as an educator. Today's conversation is with a woman who is probably the most encouraging and supportive person I've met throughout my time in education and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. She has such an interesting background, a wealth of experience, and she is a digital media teacher. She has experience in magnet schools and multiple levels of education and her unique perspective on developing students and providing opportunities for kids that aren't in our core classes or in our traditional schools and finding ways to motivate and excite kids to be in education and how giving them those opportunities is something that is to be celebrated and commended for our public schools. So I hope you really enjoy it. Here's Lori Romano. Well, thank you again for being willing to chat with me today, Lori. I'm so excited to get to finally um, have this conversation on the podcast with you because you're somebody who I think about often whenever I, I get ideas or or I just um, I'm, I'm intrigued with a topic. You, you have this approach uh, to listening and um, hearing other ideas and not just, you know, overpowering conversations or other people's ideas. And it makes me, you know, want to be a better listener and but also, like, I always am curious what you're curious about. So I'm just so so, so excited to have you here to share you with uh, with our audience. Um, I do want to introduce you a little bit. Um, I know that you are from this Wake County area, went to school at uh, Cary High School. Go Imps. Tell me a little bit from there. Go Imps. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, I think it's the most unusual mascot in the country. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I went to Cary High School. Uh, we came down, my family came down with that great influx that came in through IBM okay. uh, in the early, late 60s, early 70s, early 70s. Um, and I loved Cary High School. It's a great school to go to. And uh, then all I had to decide is my parents were very much uh, considered that education is the most important thing. Um, only one of my parents graduated from high school and took any college. Um, my mother did not graduate from high school, but both of them s- told us, as my brother and sister and I, as we were growing up, we are saving money and you are going to college. So your choice is what college? Mm-hmm. So there was never, when you're raised like that, that's all you think about, that's what right. college. And so I, I chose uh, NC State mm-hmm. uh, for wildlife biology initially. I had a great biology teacher in high school. Um, but I spent about a year in biology at state and, uh, I was like, I don't know this. I think I really liked my biology teacher. (laughs) I still have a lifelong love of science and biology, but I drifted over into the communications department, uh, got a degree in radio television, uh, decided to join the Navy, uh, and was uh, commissioned as an officer and served eight years. My mother got sick and I got out and stayed in the reserves, but I got out, um, Got a master's in film, thinking I would teach college. Okay. But the school system, as I was working my way through grad school, uh, the school system, not that they contacted me, but I looked up an old friend at Athens, and she was at Athens. I you know, had not taught at Athens yet. 
And she needed a video made for the CTE department. And uh -huh. I said, oh, well, I uh -huh. did that in the Navy. I'll do that. So anyway, I, I made a video. Someone saw the video. They hired me as a video production specialist. So I was a video production specialist at Wake County for about two and a half years okay. before I was hired at Athens. And that's while I, while I was doing my grad program. And what's interesting about that from, from my perspective is I didn't think about teaching about public schools. I right. wasn't thinking about that. But being a video production specialist put me in and out of schools all over Wake County. Okay. And every year I would do the teacher of the year videos. Uh, and I would do yeah. the principal of the year videos mm -hmm. that would, they would show at the banquets. So I got to see some of the best educators in the county. And I think it's interesting. What I remember from that time is walking in a school. And as soon as you walked in a school, you could tell whether it was a great school or not. Really? How clean it was. What was what was put up on the on the walls. How people greeted you. Okay. What happened when you walked in the classroom. And uh, those things stayed with me, certainly. Um, I'd finished my graduate program. And a job opened up at Athens Drive. And I, I still had my thesis to go. Okay. And the teacher there who knew me from video production said, Oh, you, you should come take my job because I'm going to go to the middle school we had children. And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I like teenagers. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, maybe, maybe not. Every um, day? I mm. thought, so I thought, oh, you know what, I'll give it a year. Right. And I found I really love teenagers mm -hmm. and I especially love high school because these students are right on the brink of adulthood. And you can help them over. You can... <laughs> shove them a little shove bit, them a little bit. That's right. <laughs> um, encourage them but it's a really interesting time so I ended up spending five years at uh, Athens Drive great principal there Walt Sherlin um, was a principal he was later principal of the year in North Carolina okay. so I got to work for a principal of the year Dana King who becomes my principal at um, Millbrook later she was principal of the year in North Carolina I, I got to work under some great leadership and um would have stayed, probably still be teaching at Athens today, but uh, my father, uh, um, I'm sorry, my mother got sick, and I went down to Florida, taught in a performing arts high school, a okay. public high school, a magnet mm. school that kids audition to get in, and then I saw the power of magnet schools right? and how, how public education was trying to find ways to attract students to school, not mm -hmm. just cookie cutter them through, but to really address the fact that when kids enter the building, especially high school where it is that place between adulthood or college right. or whatever, how can we provide programs that really excite them and make them want to be at school? So yes, they have to do English, yes, they have to do science, yes, they have to do math, but if they get to do chorus or if they get to do drama or if they get to do art or if they get to do creative writing or dance or whatever it is they're into, how that informs their academic classes. So, um, you know, I worked there at uh, Douglas Anderson. I built a film program there because I had a master's in film. Uh, it's what's it, we call it cinema arts now. And then my father got sick and I came back here okay. and um, worked at Millbrook High School for eight years and also a magnet school. And I just can't say enough good things about, about Millbrook. Uh, I think it's the top school in the county, in my opinion. Um, you can start you know, throwing around data and say, oh, Enloe this Correct. or Rotten that. But I truly feel like the faculty at Millbrook tries every day to meet kids where they're at. Right. And prov and if there's some, if you can't find yourself at Millbrook as a teenager, you're not looking hard enough because okay. there's a strong arts program, there's an agricultural program that have the IB program, 
they have terrific athletics. Um, and the athletics are not just open to the varsity athletes. They have strong JV programs. They have no-cut programs at the JV. And so there's, there are lots of clubs, um, an international perspective, and, again, just some of the best teachers I've ever met in my life. So that's... Well, well and, and, and that's, I think that's very flattering for the entire staff there. And that's a, you know, that's a big motivator for, for wanting to share these conversations because I've, I've arrived at that same conclusion as you. Just from working there, I've just been so fascinated with the different types of people that um, work in that building. And, and the conversations just to have in between classes has always been something that's been... Um, uh, something that I've been very excited about. I did want to talk to you a little bit about um, what you taught and cinema arts and cinematic arts and how you've gotten to work with kids and gotten to really kind of unearth some passion and some excitement for school that I don't necessarily see in my math classroom, you know? And um, what, what, advantages or what kind of things were you able to experience with some of your students in your classroom because it was a non-core, non-traditional, uh, sometimes there are elective classes in, in other schools. Um, what was that like teaching one of those classes and, and that experience with some of those kids when they kind of had, um, I never had, I never was excited about English, I never was excited about biology, but I was excited about film or I was excited about chorus what was what was that like teaching in that environment? So when I got to Millbrook and when I was hired, I was hired as the digital media teacher. And so that was teaching just an elective course in digital media one, and then there's an advanced course of digital media. And, and that was fine. Anybody who wanted to could take it. And so within a classroom, I'd have some high achievers, I'd have some middle achievers, and I'd have some low achievers. The other thing I had in the classroom that you don't necessarily have in, in the classroom, not every teacher has, is I had computers. Mm. And I didn't just have PCs, I had Macs. And I, I can't, I really can't speak highly enough about Macs because they are more intuitive than the PC and they're easier to operate. They crash less, they're less prone to, to viruses and things like that. Some really, really great programs that people have developed for the Mac platform. I think that if you had a Mac classroom, there's lots of things that you could, when a student walked in, could do, um, both hands-on, just on the computer, but then they could take what they do and you could take them out and shoot shoot videos of mathematical concepts or, mm-hmm. or things and, mm-hmm. and then bring it back. So I was fortunate in that kids love computers and right. they spend a lot of time on their computers and now, of course, they have their computers in their pocket, they have their right. phones, right. which is another significant change I've seen in that eight years. Within the first year that I was at Millbrook, Phones weren't a, a huge deal. Mm-hmm. They quickly became so as the phones got smart. And the right. smarter phones got, the more difficult it was to teach because the phone gives immediate gratification. You wonder right. about something, right. click, 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 you know it. Teaching doesn't. Sometimes to, to, to master a concept takes a lot of struggle and effort. Correct. So, uh, but anyway, I, I digress. I, I did have a, a computer lab, so that puts me, to me, in an advantage over other teachers because when students walk in, I've got a full slate of things for them to do. And they already like computers, so they're already engaged. And a lot of them really like Macs, so they're truly, it was one of the few places in the school to get a Mac. But um, my principal challenged me 
to when she hired me, she said, I need a kid magnet. I need someone that really will draw students into this program, not just anybody that the wheel turns, but kids who want to be there. And she knew me from Athens because I had taught under her. And at that time, it was just television production, no digital anything. Everything was analog and and, uh, tape. But um, now things were digital. And so I took that on as a challenge. And within a year or two, when they said, would you consider having an academy at Millbrook? I said, yes, I think a digital media career academy would be great. And we have two now, we have two full classrooms now of Max. and students want to be there, and they want to learn how to do Photoshop, and they want to learn how to do video editing. They want to do audio production and animation and web design. These are all things, no matter what they do later in life, whether they become lawyers or doctors or start their own business, this digital media information was something they could use later on, and it's a point I made over and over in my classroom. But I did in the time that I was at Millbrook, fully uh, embrace the Digital Media Career Academy concept. Mm -hmm. And part of the reasons why why I did that is taking what I learned from that magnet school down in Florida, that if some part of a kid's day is doing something they really enjoy and they get a lot of satisfaction out of and they can see an end product and they see a connection to something they might want to do in their future, that they are more engaged in the classroom. Oh, absolutely. Um, And our graduation rate at um, Douglas Anderson School of the Arts in Florida was something like, I want to say, 95%, meaning if you started as a freshman, when you 95% graduated. I wanted to see the same thing in the academy, that if you started in the academy at, at, at Millbrook, that four years later, that our graduation rate would be pretty high. And I think it is. I don't mm-hmm. know what the numbers are currently, but I know that... Um, our kids were, were, you know, getting outstanding senior right. and were uh, doing some pretty significant things. Um, the, academy, the academy model also includes this, and I think it's an important element, that I would get together with the English teacher and we would find at least, ideally we wanted four, but if we got two in the early days, we were, we were fortunate. Something that started in the English class, for example, um, reading about Oedipus and learning that story because you're studying it in English. And then in my class, I can I had them construct a movie poster. Well, if you were turning this into a movie, what would the movie poster look right. like? And do that creatively, and we printed those out. Um, we did... Um, she was talking about the idea of revolution and revolutionary ideas. And so in my class, we did audio podcasts based on something that was written. Mm-hmm. In. So that idea of a cross-curricular, where you see that what you're doing in this class really matters in that class, right. too, and, and you can see a use, I think that's important and something that um, why I think an academy is, 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 a, is a strong concept right. and one I fully believe in and back. And then, of course, at the... Senior level of the academy, which you may or may not know this, but at the senior level, on the senior year, they're actually going out doing internships, mm-hmm. unpaid, generally, and free. But if they're interested in web design, we'll go be a web designer for this mm-hmm. company. Or if you're interested in video production, go make videos for this company. Or if you want to learn more about um, Photoshop or you want to do graphic design, designed a brochure for this nonprofit. Right. And so those were some of the things that we were trying to make what what they were learning in high school meaningful when they graduated or wh- whatever they did. Ideally we would like to see them go on to college, whether uh-huh. it be a, um, mm-hmm. a you know like a community college or a four-year degree, but 
that was the idea. And also in our academy, the kids could get certified. So something like if you wanted to learn Photoshop, yeah, you could take YouTube videos, but if you want a certification, you're going to have to go to an authorized Adobe Center, sit down, pay 50 bucks or more. I can't remember what the exact, it's more than 50, and sit down and take a test. And if you pass that test, now you've got a certificate. Well, the academy is structured such that in classrooms, students can test in classrooms and the teachers were authorized um, um, proctors and you could get certified. So we would have kids graduating from the academy with a certification in photo, adult certification right. in Photoshop and um, Premiere and web design and things like that. And they're starting down the road. I think, you know, it's funny that we started talking about phones and being phones in their pocket and the instant gratification. You're making things like Oedipus Rex more accessible when you think about it in terms of a movie, movie poster. How do we present these ideas and these themes to people today? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think making kids reflect on this is what you're learning, but how can we present it and making it digital and get putting it in somebody's phone to give them access to it to where they um, can just feel more comfortable with it. I think that's an an incredibly um, motivating and important thing. I want to tell you a story about one of your students that I taught. Okay. And I want you to um, react to this, to this, uh, to story. Just tell me what you think. I'm not going to say his name, um, but you might figure out who he is. Um, So when I was making some videos for my uh, math classroom as just a way to kind of um, diversify my instruction, um, he was he was real critical of, of one of the videos one day. He said, Mr. Edwards, if you just can invest like $10 in just like a decent microphone and get some editing software, this would be so much better. And I was kind of real smart aleck to him. I said, I'm sorry, the Cohen brothers were not available <laughs> to do my films. I, I'm just doing basic things so you guys can learn at home, not just have to learn here. And he was just so upset that I just did not put the effort that was necessary into making these uh, videos, works of art, and this was absolutely a, a, one of, one of your students at the mm-hmm. time, and uh, I just, I just, his reaction made me think a little bit about what's going on. So when you hear that, what does that make you think about? Oh, that instead of being critical, he should have said, "Why don't you let me help you make those videos?" <laughs> that would have been nice. Too. <laughs> you know, it's always easy to sit back and criticize, but you know, you speak about those videos, and that's um, something I admire about you, Matt, is that. You, like many teachers at Millbrook, are not satisfied with the status quo. Yeah, you had a good year. Maybe you had some good scores, but you you don't you sort of take the good scores as as they should be good scores, and then you look for the ones who aren't successful, and that's where you're focusing your efforts. Is what can I do for those students who aren't as successful? And because the students come to you with all these different learning styles, these different um, how quickly they learn. I loved that you implemented that idea of direct instruction up here, video instruction here. If you've got it and you're working, uh, you can work collaboratively over here. That's hard to manage. Right. It's almost easier just to say, sit down, be quiet. Here's what we're doing today. Yeah, this is what you're Get your to notebooks do. out. Solve this equation. I, I, it's somewhat easier. It's harder to 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 really um, change your classroom so that students can learn in the way that best suits them. And so I would say even in my course, which was a CTE course, uh, I had a um, aha moment um, in Florida when the CTE teacher came in to speak to our faculty. And for the most part, what he talked about, he talked about 
uh, teaching to mastery. And in that teaching to mastery, he lost a lot of the teachers. They walked oh, yeah. out. He, they walked out kind of like, Phew. because what he was advocating was, you need to teach until the kids master it. Mm -hmm. And you can't say, well, they, they flunked that test, so th that's on them. They needed to study. Or, well, he didn't finish the project, so I gave him a zero, and he flunked the course. And he deserves it because he didn't. Or they didn't get that in on time, right. so I gave them f 50 points or zero, uh, whatever. But there were a lot of teachers at that school, not at, the, not at Millbrook, but at that school that balked at, at the idea that you should, that, that the obligation is on the teacher to teach to mastery. And I remember everyone else walked out kind of grumbling like, oh, that was a waste of time. And two teachers, myself and another teacher, stay back and say, tell me more. And right. this, um, this was a CTE teacher of the year <clears throat> in Duval County, which is Big County. He had a son who had special needs. Mm. And so this was close to his heart that, yeah, his son is sitting in your classroom and he needs to be taught to mastery too. So when I so I changed my teaching from that day forward, and I was teaching AP World History as well as film. Oh my goodness! At that time, I changed my teaching, and I said, "I'm I need to teach to mastery. That is my job." And the other teacher, when I said I'm going to do this, he was like, "Well, you're just full of you're not you're not you're not preparing them for the real world, Romano. That's oh, you're not preparing yeah. them they're, in the real world. They're not going to be able to do this." Oh, I fall into that trap. <laughs> and I said, "We're not in the real world yet." Yet. We're in educational world, and we're trying to master content. And these are kids. These are young people. They're not adults. Adults, when you get older, you take a few hits. Hopefully, you right. brush yourself up and get off. Right. Sometimes these students, when they get hit, they get a belief system mm -hmm. that they can't do it. And you need to say, yes, you can. And it's okay if you can't do it to the A level. I'll never do A. I'll never, ever be able to do math the way that Matt Edwards does math. Lori Mono's not going to do that. But I may be able to get a B if I right, keep working. Right. If I keep working. So in my classroom, I had projects, and I did have due dates. And yes, I would take a few points off if they were late. But if I got the work, I gave you points. And so you were not going to fail in my classroom in digital media. You didn't fail in my classroom unless you stopped working. Mm -hmm. You didn't show up. Mm -hmm. I never saw you. But if you would turn in work... And I would, I would not give you an A for work that was a D, but you consider the number of projects you have for students. Right. And if you turn the work in, you're going to get a C or better. And you keep it encourages you to keep working because sometimes we don't know what these kids are going through. We don't know what happened last night. We That's don't right. know whether they got fed, right. whether they're home. That's we right. don't know anything. All we know is they're sitting in front of us. So maybe a C is, is the best that kid's going to do today. Um, and the other part was testing. I don't think that testing is a good measure of how much you know. I think testing is a good measure of how well you test. Right. And yeah. and I have to say, I test pretty well. Mm -hmm. I can pass a test if it was in Russian because I'm pretty good at the multiple guess. There you go. Doesn't mean I'm good at Russian. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it came to testing, you could take my test, my unit test, as many times as you needed to. Now, you can only get up to an 88. Right. Because I'm not going to take away from those kids that did that test did, that and it, made right. an A. But an 88 meant that you could keep trying. And it also, it helped me because I could say to the student, I said, well, you kind of made a 70 on that one. You could try for the 88. Right. And then it was up, 
up to them and I would encourage them to try for a higher grade. What did that do? Well, because they were, ex some students need to be exposed to the material two, three, four, five, six times. Mm -hmm. Other kids can get it the first time. Mm -hmm. They'll get their A. They did their project on time They got their, and they got their A. But I am worried about those B, C, D, particularly F students. Um, I'm worried about those kids. Right. And I don't want them to stop working in my class because I go, well, that wasn't it on time, so that's a zero. Oh, you can you can only get a 50 on that test? Okay, well, I guess that's it for you. Well, I do need to tell you something, Lori, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and I'm not exactly an uh, authority on education, but um, I'm loud. So um, what you're talking about is slightly revolutionary. That is not the normal mindset for a lot of folks in our education um, and I think a lot of our parents and community, they were taught in the way that you're talking about that one size all fits education and that, look, all you got to do is work hard. And if you don't have the grade that you were supposed to have, that you just didn't work hard enough and you have to take responsibility for that. And you can't have the top without the bottom. And some people are just in the bottom. And that mindset actually as harsh and as hurtful and non-inclusive as it is, is the norm. That is what's normal. But our administration with Wake County Public Schools right now has definitely gone through a philosophical shift and we're moving more toward this, not a no child left behind, but a everyone can have access to success. And there is an accountability level for teachers at this point that says, okay, after this certain point, who are your kids that are failing right now? Now we need to plan for those kids. Now we need to find a way. How are we going to give them ability to recover or have a chance at recovering what they didn't get the first time while still being able to stay on track? And that challenges teachers to say things like, have I been teaching to mastery or have I been just doing these activities that I really like? Or do I just know that I make a really good test and the kids that do well on it, those are the kids who really knew what they were doing. And that's something that I think is unique to public schools right now. And, um, you know, recent with uh, with the uh, the State of the Union and some of the things that have, have come out recently from our administration in our country and our state was that our public schools are failing. They're not doing uh, for our kids or for, quote unquote, the kids who should be doing well. They're not doing for them what they should be doing. What do you think about that? Well, I don't think we have failing public schools. I, I think some schools struggle. And when if the population of the school is disadvantaged economically, socially, <clears throat> in different ways, it's a struggle. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from, if you don't know where you're going to sleep, it's hard for you to come to school and be a participant. On the other hand, um, public schools are feeding kids. And they are providing activities for kids. Uh, for some schools, for some students, the hardest thing is summer because they lose access to food right. and even people that care. Well, they lose access to structure sometimes, too, in a, in a, in a less of a, uh, of a, a needs-based level. So, you know, I, I don't think our, our public schools are failing. I think that we need even more support and understanding for who our students are. I think that the fact that we have magnet schools is a is a reflection of the fact that people are seeing, hey, we need to find ways to keep kids in school. Uh, 
I wouldn't object to a school that was, you, you and I are both coaches, I wouldn't object to a public school that focused on health and nutrition and sports. That you came to school, your uniform was a sweatsuit. Right. And the, <laughs> and the buildings were about half a mile apart, so by the end of the school yeah, day, you've, everybody's you've, fit by the end. You've run a half mile. I mean, that's not, that sounds like a wild idea, and yet I don't think it is. I think that, so I'm old, but it shocks me in some ways that many classrooms look the same mm-hmm. as they did. 40-some years ago. Right. They should not. Right. And again, I, th- I see us trying to do that. In, in Millbrook, for example, they took out all those lockers kids weren't using, and they put in these spaces, and you as a teacher, if you want to, can go to that space and really let the kids work in the way that they want to work. They're not going to sit, I don't know, like little tax auditors and, yeah. and rows of chairs to do the work. They're they're not. That's not how they think. And I don't know that we need them to think like that. We need them to be creative. We need them to be collaborative. We need them to be deep thinkers. Um, so public schools need to change, but they're not failing by any means. Um, and I, I, just, I just challenge people to come into a public school and really spend a day or two um, at different levels. Spend it as a principal, spend it as a teacher, spend it as a teacher assistant. Um, I think too, we have more of an understanding today than we ever did about special needs and not leaving those kids behind. And I think that's important too because those are those kids who have special needs, they're gonna be out in our community as adults. And if we don't address their special needs now when they're young, and find out ways that we can help them exist as an adult, they will become not problems, but certainly something in our in our community that we're gonna to have to worry about. And right. we don't we don't want to. We want them to be as productive as possible. So I don't think our our public schools are failing. It annoys me when, when people say that and I don't think that private and charter schools are the answer. All that does is create schools much like gated communities. You know, only if you make so, so much money can you be in this gated community. Only if you make so much money right. can your kid be here. <clears throat> and if if you have a child that is disruptive to the learning environment, instead of addressing those needs with special ed teachers and things like that, you just kick them out. And and again, that is part of our community. Every kid matters. If it's your kid, it matters. Right. Um, and one of the things that I'm so incredibly proud of with just public education in America on the whole is that everybody gets a shot at it. And I think that's one of the things that makes us different from from so many other places, if not every other place in the world. You know, so when we see these ranking systems and the United States has plummeted to this place in math and science and literacy is at this. Well, in our reality, those numbers should motivate us to improve and reflect on our practices. But what we have is an opportunity for everyone. And I think one of the things that public schools is so great with is that everybody is being addressed, everybody has access, and everybody is part of what we use to decide if we're successful or not. Are are we reaching all these groups of people? And when we can avoid uh, homogeneous situations and we're able to make sure that our classrooms look like what society looks like, what I see at the mall, what I see at a gas station, what I see at a concert, that 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 diversity is matching what's in our hallways at our schools. And 
that's how our kids can really learn more than just, you know, I think it's important to be able to factor. I think it's important to be able to solve an equation, but I think it's even more important to be able to communicate those things to people who don't think and act like you. I think it's more important to put yourself in somebody else's shoes that you didn't grow up with. And I think it's important for your parents to see kids of different backgrounds and ethnicities being friends and how that can help change how we um, how, how we plan our world. And, you know, for me, when I hear public education is failing, well, actually, public education gives everybody a shot at the thing that determines if they're going to be successful or not. And, uh, you know, there's 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 this idea that. Um, you know, the tragedies happen or there is failures and these kind of things. And yeah, there are. But at the same time, I know in my school system, philosophically, things are changing that says just getting this percentage of kids in your classroom to pass or get a good grade is okay. And it's where we're going to start as far as our standard. But what we're looking for is 100% success. And success is not all determined by A's and B's. Success is sometimes determined by starting with passing and failing. Next, it could be start. It, it could be determined by, you know, can that kid stay in the room all day? Can that kid handle structure? Can that kid communicate what they're learning? Can that kid be an ambassador for what is happening in their world right now? And that's what is so incredibly important about the public schools that I work in, is that we are not only being allowing ourselves to be determined by the top of the top by the kids who are ultimately, you know, going to be Moorhead scholarship winners or going to be future CEOs of um, Fortune 500 companies. It's also kids that are going to be productive citizens and make make everything we do better, make our roads better, make our stores better, make our restaurants better, make our... um, garbage pickup pattern better dealing with you know after storm better and for me when uh, when you and i talk about our public schools failing i don't think public schools are failing because i know there are kids who got to take dance in a state-of-the-art dance studio this week at my school that would not have access to an instructor of that level and to be around high-level dancers that are in their classes, and nobody said to them, you're not good enough, you don't look like what we need, you're not the right size, you don't have the right background. It was, come on in, take your shoes off, do a good job. And I think that mentality needs to be more of what we're celebrating instead of like poking holes in public school, they're not doing a good job, let me take all my kids in this neighborhood where everybody looks like what I want them to look like, and we're going to make our own school do what we want it to do. And I just, I feel like you're not helping what you're doing is hoarding. How do you feel about that? Oh, I, I, I'm in total agreement. I, I suppose uh, if people were to label us, <laughs> they would label us. They would say, people listening, oh, of course they feel that way. They're, they're public school teachers. That's and right. Of course they feel that Very way. Very biased. But, um, and, and, we are shaped by our experiences, but as someone who went to a public school and didn't think about it, didn't think twice about it, absolutely, and and a, not as diverse as some public schools, but diverse in Cary, uh, and then went to a public university, NC State, and then joined the Navy, a very diverse very organization, diverse, very diverse, um, and, and then came back to public schools. 
I just really believe in it. And it's not to say I wouldn't ever teach at a private school or, or whatever. I just believe that public schools provide opportunity to everyone. 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 And that, to me, is the most important thing because we, I've always believed from a maybe deeply spiritual place that we all rise together or we fall together. And mm-hmm. I want us to rise. And I see public... There's a lot of institutions that help us to rise. Um, public libraries help us to rise because Absolutely. they offer, <laughs> offer literacy. Public education helps us to rise. Public parks, pu- um, public pools, things that that are available to us regardless of how much money we have. Anybody can walk into a public library. Anybody can walk into a public park. Any student can walk into a public school. And I, I just find that to be very important. I, I don't want to live in a world where there's the haves and there's the have-nots. And Absolutely. the haves just put up the wall and you can't come over. Absolutely. I just, I just don't believe in it. I, well, I think it's the most American thing. I mean, think about people that were sick of status quo they wanted something better they knew that they deserved more and that ceiling was really hurting their heads right you know i think it's the most american thing when we say things like this park is for everyone i was walking to greenway yesterday and i saw so many different faces and we were high-fiving as we passed because we were so thrilled to have this thing Mm-hmm. And nobody paid a fee to get in, and it was for everyone. That is the most American stuff, and and that is what I think is going to be so important is that we protect the things that are for everyone. They help everyone because when we help everyone, we're helping ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our life is better when the lives around us are better. And if we hoard and make our lives only, only our life is the one that we're worried about and we're taking care of, then you won't ultimately get to reap all of the benefits. You won't bear all the fruit because you've cut out some of the things that you could access from these other places that aren't in your backyard. And, uh, you know, to me, that is what I'm the most prideful as a public education, education teacher, as, you know, as a North Carolinian and as American. I think that that, uh, that sense of awareness of other people and that celebration that's that's what is making this country amazing and why everybody wants to come here mm-hmm. no matter if it's t- it is very tough times and it's challenging because we're we have an identity crisis right now we do and so you know i am i am excited when i see other people that care about other people and, and that's that's the thing that excites me to do the tough parts of my job and my and and whether you know my parenting and my you know, working with my marriage and everything, all that stuff, you know, those are challenges in your life. But I'm excited when I see other people that are wanting to make other people's lives better in the hopes that their life would be more fulfilled and enriched. I can't disagree with anything that you said. <laughs> I feel like I'm the interview, uh, interviewee now. Matt Edwards for Senate is what I'm saying. No, man. Golly. There's, there's no Senate that would, uh, that would handle that. But um, I'm just so thrilled that that um, I get to have conversations like this with you and um, the the role that you played with our students being able to help them have access to things like that Mac Lab. Um, you, know, you probably had some students that never even seen 
a machine like that before, but then after a while they become experts at it. And, and I think that that's happening all over public schools, not just Millbrook High School in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, but there's public schools everywhere that are giving kids access to things that they would not have had otherwise. And that's why public schools are thriving in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm, I'm so excited. I'm glad that you're still, um, you're still uh, supporting a lot of us that are still do, that are doing education now. I'm very jealous that you are retired, <laughs> and that you can uh, look look at us still, um, you know, sometimes spinning our tires, our wheels at times. But um, I love having you around, and thank you so much for for sharing with us today. Appreciate I'm glad it. to be here, and I'm subbing, so I'm out there seeing the county from a whole different perspective. I'm seeing the elementary, I'm seeing the middle. Occasionally the high school, but it's it's it only reaffirms what we have been talking about that there are teachers in this county every day working hard for kids, and they want to get better every year. They want to find solutions, and it, that is very encouraging to me. And I hope that that the political systems and the will will vote to to reward that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. monetarily and with some amount of. Um, loyalty to in terms of retirement to to reward that kind of commitment because it takes extraordinary commitment to do the work that you do. Well, so. thank you for saying that. I, I agree with you. I hope I hope we uh, <laughs> continue to get behind this because it takes the entire community to make it continue to work well. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Lori. You're very welcome. Mm -hmm. Bye.